certainly a joy for me to be here this morning to spend the last day of my year of 2021 with all of you in this assembly of the Lord's house. I can think of no better way to close out a long year than worshiping with all of you, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to study God's Word with you this morning. I hope what we have to say for just a few minutes will strengthen us in some way and help us draw us, draw us closer in our walks with God in the coming new year. I'd like to read to you this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you have your New Testaments with you. I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 I'm sorry, yeah, verses 12 through 17 to introduce our lesson. In this letter, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 and 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. And to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, certainly when we think about those old soldiers of the cross and the New Testament that we read about who were lights in God's window in this new covenant age in which we now live, probably the first one who comes to most of our mind or at least one of the candidates, would be the Apostle Paul. Truly, there was no greater light for the early church and a man who dedicated more of his life, effort, and service to the cause of building the kingdom of Christ than the Apostle Paul. But as you also know, and as was mentioned a couple times last night, this was not always the case for Paul, that as a servant of God like no other, he also carried with him quite a past like no other, a past of persecuting the church, a past of dragging men and women and children to chains and bondage of prison who would later be put to death all for professing to follow Jesus Christ and to be a Christian. But as was also mentioned last night, there was an event that happened in Paul's life which caused him to change 180 degrees opposite of the track he was heading down, a track of sin and opposing God's will for the people here on this earth he changed his track in such a beautiful fashion and went on to become one of the greatest apostles and Christians that we can read about in our Bibles. He went on to even suffer for the cause of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 lists many things that Paul went through. Imprisonments, beatings, thrashings, robberies, shipwrecks. All he would suffer greatly through. Things that hopefully you and I will never have to endure. All for the name of Christ which he once persecuted and so desperately tried to suppress. But what I want to point out this morning for just a few moments is that Paul's regretful past seemed to be a motivation for him throughout his Christian lifetime. We see throughout Paul's writings him referring back to the past life that he once lived and it seemed to be a driving force, a fuel to his flame, if you will, as a light for God's kingdom of why he chose to dedicate his life 
to service to Christ for the rest of his days. And for, um, I want to point out some of these references that Paul makes. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, he says, For I am not worthy to be called an apostle, for I persecuted the church of God. He said in Ephesians 3 and verse 8, he said, Unto me, who is the least of all the saints, is given the commission to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. But notice how he refers to himself as being lower than all other Christians because of his past. Well, for just a few minutes this morning, I want to point out three ways that I believe the Apostle Paul turned his regretful past into motivation to serving God in a lesson I've entitled, The Chief of Sinners. First of all this morning, I want to point out that we see from our text there in verse 14 that the Apostle Paul was able to find joy in his salvation. He says in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice how Paul words this verse by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Notice Paul does not say the grace of our Lord Jesus was abundant. You know, that would have been a great statement within itself because abundant means it's enough. It's plenty for what I need. But that's not what Paul said. He said the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant. It was more than enough for what I needed. I picture Paul's trying to comprehend the mercy that he has been shown now in Christ. And he can't comprehend it. It is exceedingly abundant in his mind. And you know, I believe knowing Paul's background as a Jew, the Bible says in numerous places how he was of the stock of Israel. He was a Jew to the core. He was as Jewish as a man could be. He knew the Old Testament Scriptures better than anybody. I imagine that the Apostle Paul knew the book of Psalms pretty well. And when I read about Paul's joy he finds in salvation, my mind immediately goes back to Psalm 51 written by David. You remember the psalm that David wrote after he had committed that sin, that wretched sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and then covered it up by having her husband murdered. And then Nathan the prophet came before David confronting him about his sin with that eloquent parable. He exposed the guilt and the levels that David had strayed from God. And it crushed David with a load of guilt upon his shoulders that I imagine most of us would probably go insane from, that we would never be able to cope with if it were not for the Word of God. But David repented of his sin. And you know the Bible says there that Nathan told him, God has forgiven you. God has put away your sin. And then because of the joy David found in his being forgiven, he goes and writes Psalm chapter, or Psalm 51. I want to read that this morning. Psalm 51, verses 9 through 13. David wrote and said, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And listen to this. And then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I imagine these words would stay near and dear to the Apostle Paul's heart. With a similar guilt he bore like David, 
These words brought joy and comfort that the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant enough to cover His guilt. And what I'm getting at today is I wonder if some of us here might have things in our past that we have trouble coping with. Times of our life where we've wandered away from God, times that we've wasted, where we could have been a better influence upon Christians, times where maybe we could have taught better doctrines than what we once knew. Maybe we led people astray because of the past that we've once lived. Well, I'm going to tell you today that the Apostle Paul didn't drown in guilt and self-pity, but he found joy in the comfort of the exceedingly abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are here today struggling with sin, you've wandered away from the Lord, or maybe you've never become a Christian, I want you to know there's nothing you can do to make you too far gone to separate yourself so far from God where the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cover and cleanse you from your sins. Has the joy of your salvation been lost today? If so, it can be restored just like the Apostle Paul's was. But secondly today, let me say very quickly that Paul learned about from his past the dangers of having zeal without knowledge. He talks about this in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. You can turn there with me if you'd like. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing about his Jewish brethren, those that he was once a part of, those who rejected Jesus and they persecuted the church because they thought it was the right thing to do. They thought it was God's will for them to do that. And he said in Romans 10, verse 1 through 3, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal for God, he says, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Just look there at verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel, you know, those who He was once a part of, those Jews who rejected Jesus, He said, my heart's desire and prayer for them is that they might be saved. Can you think of anybody in your life today? Do you pray for somebody every day? that they might be saved. That your heart's desire and prayer for is that that person would be saved. There's probably hundreds of people in your life, if not more than that, that you have that same feeling Paul had for. And you know, I missed this for the longest time in studying the book of Romans. I just had it in my mind from studying those hip hypocritical Pharisees in the Gospels that all the Jews who rejected Jesus were too arrogant and too proud and envious of Him, that they had selfish motives in rejecting Jesus, and that's true for a lot of them. But it hit me in studying the book of Romans last year and reading this that that wasn't the case for all of them. Paul clearly says that I bear them witness. Or in other words, I have been in their shoes that many of these Jews have a zeal for God, a sincere desire to please our Almighty God. But that zeal is not according to knowledge. How many people do we know today? The very same case. People who will go around destroying the plan of salvation that God has outlined in His Word for some man-made idea, not knowing that it's nowhere to be found in the Bible. People today who have destroyed divine symbolism in our worship 
and in our everyday lives that God has ordained for the purpose of honoring and glorifying Him, and they have no idea that their sincerity and their desire to please God is not coupled with knowledge. That they're actually doing something He does not want them to do. I want to tell you today that the Apostle Paul, leading into our next point, learned about the dangers of zeal without knowledge. And I want to ask you today, is your zeal for God coupled with the knowledge we find from studying His Word, from how our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, by being washed away in the waters of baptism upon repentance and confession, to our worshiping in spirit and truth and our daily moral lives of following Jesus and living as He's commanded us to do until the day we die. Is your zeal for God coupled with knowledge? Thirdly and finally, let me say that from the Apostle Paul's past, he also learned about the importance. He learned how to prioritize self service rather over himself serving other people instead of focusing on himself i want to read first corinthians chapter 9 because the words of paul here illustrate this point much better than i could um, along the same note as brother floyd talked about this morning just reading the scriptures but in first corinthians chapter 9 um, we'll read verses uh, 19 through 23. And in this chapter, Paul's talking about why he never took money from people in preaching the gospel. He said, certainly it is appointed to the church to you know support preachers of the gospel, that they may live of the gospel. He said, but I didn't do that in my preaching because of who I am and of what people know about me and my past. I went around working on my own to support myself so there would be no doubt about my motives and why I'm here serving the Lord and preaching His Word. And upon this same note, he picks up in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9, saying, For though, or for the reasons we just discussed, I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And to them that are under the law, as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, that I might gain them that are without law. <clears throat> to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, so that I might by all means save some. And get this last verse here in 23. He says, and this I do for the gospel's sake so that I might be a partaker thereof with you. You know, we hear a lot of really good sayings from preachers time to time, many of them that stick with us and many of them that leave our memories through the years. But I heard one about two years ago that I know I will always remember down in a meeting in Florella, Alabama, Brother Don Pruitt was talking about compassion and what that means. And he said, compassion is me feeling your pain in my heart. And I thought about that, and I thought about some of the people I know. And I thought about some of the worst days of their life that they've ever had. 
And then I thought about me trying to not write them a card or pat them on the back and tell them I'm praying for them, but me trying to feel that same level of pain that they felt in that moment. And you know, I think the Apostle Paul's past as the chief of sinners made him more compassionate than it did before. It made him look at the Jews who were still trying to rigorously live under the laws of Moses. It made him look at the Gentiles who were without the laws of Christ and didn't know anything about it. It made him look at the weak people who were struggling to live the way they ought to live and who were wandering away from the Lord. And instead of looking upon them with a condescending, judgmental attitude that I do and many of us do and stand up here in the pulpit and do from time to time, he looked upon them and tried to place himself in their shoes. And he said, I have made myself a servant unto these people that I might win them to Christ. I became all things to all men. I've put myself in their shoes to try to win them over. Why does he say? So that in spite of his past, he might become a partaker of the same salvation that they could. In conclusion today, we know, thankfully, that the Apostle Paul fought the good fight. He finished the course and he kept the faith as a Christian and received that crown of life that was laid up for him in heaven. And I believe today that he was able to do this because of these three things we've mentioned this morning. He was able to overcome the guilt of his past and find joy in his salvation. He learned and taught others the dangers about having zeal without knowledge of God's Word. And he dedicated his life all the days until the day that he died, committed to compassionate service to the lost instead of focusing on himself. And these words in our text, the 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15 of the Apostle Paul, formulate one of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture. The resounding message that it portrays of a man with a perilous past who came to know the exceedingly abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ carries with it a message that has cultivated hope and godly ambition in the hearts of many Christians for centuries. And I hope that they continue to. And I pray it does the same for all of us today. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, this was a saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Amen.